Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Royal One podcast, the podcast that empowers you to discover your purpose, embrace your identity, and engage faith tenaciously. I'm your host, Dr. Lysandra Barnes, life coach, Bible teacher, speaker, author, and founder of the Royal One Enterprise, which is a women's empowerment company. I am so excited to be with you all, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Paul Calcote, who is a husband, a pastor, and a podcaster. You have to check out his podcast. It is off the chain. And we're going to be talking about discovering purpose and calling, as well as how to navigate silent seasons in your faith. So are you guys ready to go on a journey of empowerment? Then let's go. Hey, Paul, how's it going? What's going on? The sun is going great in my world. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. I have no complaints. I have a lot of things on my to-do list, but it's all good. Relatable. (laughs) So I gave a quick synopsis of who you are, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. My name is Paul Calcutta. As you already said, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a husband. My wife and I will be married going on three years when the summer hits. So we still got the new car smell on us. We're still learning each other. I'm having fun, having adventure together. And also pastor of the church in Houston, where I pastor to college students and young adults. So they were um, the college students remind me that I'm no longer in college when we like play basketball and, you know, do different events. Then a podcaster, man, and podcaster as, as podcasting is really another form of fulfilling a great commission and doing ministry. And I love doing it. And so that's me. Oh, well, I love spades, basketball and traveling. So that's all of me in a nutshell. Look, you hit us with the spades now. You got to know how to play spades right. Because people be saying they know how to play spades and then they be messing up. You need to get off the table. Friendships (laughs) and then split it almost at the table because they thought they knew how to play. (laughs) Like, oh man, I love playing spades. That is is so good. So tell us, how would you define purpose? Purpose. When I think of purpose, I think of calling. And so I believe that everybody has a purpose because God has a calling on everybody's life, but it's up to us to answer that call. And I know theologians and scholars may disagree, but when I look at that scripture of many are called, but few are chosen, um, I believe the thing that separates the calling from the chosen is that the fact that the chosen, they answer the call and they begin to walk in their purpose. And so to me, purpose is calling. And it's, it's that thing that you know God has created you to do. You know, Depending on the season, it'll look different, but calling is how I would define that. Okay. So then tell us what your calling is. I mean, I feel like my calling in life, broadly speaking, is first the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. I want to share disciples. I want to point people to Christ. Um, it's very broad. And then even um, still on a broad level, obeying the Great Commandments, love God and love his people. If I'm doing only that, I'm walking in purpose. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I feel like, well, I, I know that God has called me to vocational ministry and emphasis on vocational because whether you're paid or not, pastor or not, is if you're a Christian, you are called to do ministry. Because in the Great Commission, it says, exactly, it says to make disciples. It doesn't say, hey, pastors, evangelists, apostles, make disciples. No, it said all of you that, you know, are saved to make disciples. So in this season now, it's pastoring and ministering to college students, ministering to young adults. And now with my podcast, it's it's ministering even um, beyond that. And it's funny now, I'm able to fulfill like the Great Commission literally from my own home. And you can, as a fellow podcaster, you can relate Mm -hmm. to it. You know, having conversations that inspire and point people to Christ. And in my podcast, 
my goal, my purpose, my calling specifically there. I want to equip and empower every single listener to be and do all that God has called them to be and do. And really, I want to have conversations that want to take them from surviving to thriving. And I kind of revolve around like five um, topics of holistic health. So mm-hmm. spiritually, I want people to know Jesus first and foremost, because I believe if you have everything but Jesus, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. But if you have nothing but Jesus, you have everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going because that's a sermon all in itself. All in itself. I want people to thrive mentally because sometimes we can be hush-hush with mental health in the church and the black community. Uh, I want us to thrive in our finances, honor, you know, honoring God, and then um, thrive relationally and mentally. I already said mentally. Physically was the other There we go. We only got, we only got one body, so we got to do it right. Oh my goodness. That sounds so good. And I love how specific it is because I think a lot of times we want to only focus on one thing and not focus on all aspects of our lives. So we need to be in sync in every aspect to really be able to Uh live a fulfilled life. So I think that's so important. So now let's talk about ministry because I've been in ministry for a very long time. I am now currently on the pastoral staff at my church. Interestingly enough in Portland, Oregon, because I just moved back long story, just moved back home to Michigan. So but I'm still on staff. Thank you for virtual. <laughs> but I was a youth pastor for four years before that. So when did you receive your call to the ministry? Man, I'm going to rewind, go to this time machine real quickly. My parents are pastors, my mom and my dad, and they have a heavy influence on my life. Like growing up with them, I really saw what it meant to be a pastor, to be a shepherd, um, to love the Lord. Like it was a times in their marriage I'm learning more now as they tell stories and I interview them on my co- podcast that they wanted to throw in the towel and um, divorce. But mm-hmm. one thing that stuck out to me, they was like, more than our will, we're going to submit to God's will. And I was like, I want to know God like that. And so gave my life to the Lord, was baptized at a young age, and my dad had a small church. And so the perks of being the pastor's kid at a small church, my dad gave me opportunities to preach. Mm-hmm. I put preaching quotations because uh, it gradually grew into actual uh, preaching. And so with those opportunities, the Lord just kind of confirmed the call that I was called to preach, to teach, to speak, to do ministry. I love how God can use words to really stir people um, and bring them close to him and taking the deep theological truths and present them in simple ways so God's people can take it from a Sunday morning sermon to Monday, how I'm going to apply this in my life in a very practical way. And I started a college ministry at the age of 19 when okay. I was going to Mississippi College. And it was crazy. Well, not crazy because God is intentional. But one of the things I learned from my parents on Wednesday was like our fast day. So mm-hmm. the only thing I remember doing on Wednesday was going to school, doing homework, going to church. And it's just like a day. You know, we give every day to the Lord. But that day was just more so linked to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I adopted it into college. And make a long story short, one of my friends came over on Wednesday I remember like it was, it was yesterday because it was fried chicken Wednesday and he invited me to lunch. And I was like, I almost had to change my fast day because I give up fried chicken. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. And I was like, you know, um, either you can join me, you know, in my, in my prayer time or we can hang out later. He joined me, make a long story short, started this college ministry called Lighthouse Ministries. That still, even though I'm not there, still goes on to this day. And that's where the Lord just kind of solidified my calling, at least in this specific season, to reach the, the next generation of college students, young adults, student ministry, and things like that. And then now it just kind of goes back to what we talked about, purpose. Like I'm still doing ministry. It just looks different. And instead of being at the college campus, I'm in the church, not only just at the church, but now it's podcasting. So your purpose never changes, 
but it looks different in each season. I would say it like that. That's really good because I think about when I got called to the ministry, I got mm-hmm. called when I was 16, like surefire. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. I ended up having this dream. Like I, I love the Lord. I always loved the Lord. been saved since I was a kid, but I remember, you know, I grew up Kojic. So like you, the kids had to do everything. So we have our youth Sunday, you know, everybody had to do their thing. And so I used to always love teaching. So I would be the one who could teach the adult class. So I was like, let's go. So I'm teaching the adult class. I'm like really breaking the word down. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, you, you're really good at such a young age. And I was like, okay, cool. And I used to love Juanita Bynum. So I was like, look, uh-huh. I will be baby Bynum. Call me what you want. I'm good. <laughs> like I'm gonna get my amplified Bible out. Like we are going to yeah. go deep. And so I remember I had a dream and I was asleep in the Lord. I was in my home church at the front of the church in a black suit preaching. I could hear the Lord. And was like, I have called you to preach to the nations. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, all right, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I've held on to that since then. And so like, even in college, I was a part of the gospel choir. I was the chaplain. Like, I didn't want to do anything else. I want to preach and pray and teach the word. And then I got a part of another ministry. And then we were like all college students. I'm on the leadership there. I'm just, I just love teaching and preaching and then went to seminary. And so I got the education, not only with a master's, but with a doctorate as well. And so like now I'm on staff. I love being, I was a youth pastor. I love to do what I do. And then with my business, I just saw, as you're saying, like I saw it just change in so many different ways. Cause in seminary, my master's program, I was like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to get an MDiv in biblical studies or should I focus on something else? Like, cause I was like, right. you know what? I want to be able to teach Bible, but I came across this women's ministry course and fell in love with women's ministry. And I was like, okay, I'm taking every course you guys have to offer and end up doing that. So I ended up getting an MDiv in pastoral care to women and then started working with women. And then I realized that that's who I'm called to. I'm called to women in pain, but I also reach a lot of men as well. And I think that's an advantage for growing up in a black church is that men are well receptive of women who speak, Yeah, you know, whereas in other communities where I went to seminary, they're like, what do you mean? You can't, a woman can't speak to a man. A woman can't do this. Like, what do you, what are you talking about? This is crazy. So for me, it gave me the flexibility to be able to, to do what I'm called to for women, but at the same time, using the exact same tools, I can reach men as well. So yeah. it's just, it's really interesting to see how I'm called, but I like to focus it on women. But when it comes to my male clients, when I do coaching or anything like that, like we just have the same, the same impacts happen. So yeah, I think that's important as well as to know like your call and how it changes over seasons. And sometimes we get frustrated, but we have to remember what God called us to and how he will position us in those detours. Come on. You're so right about knowing our calling. I feel like the first step in knowing our calling is first knowing our creator, the one Mm -hmm. that has called us. A lot of people, they say, I really want to know God's will for my life. I want to know my purpose. Well, that starts with knowing God. Um, An example that I give in in recent sermons is like, if I want to know everything that there is to know about Facebook, um, I love my mom. I love my dad. I'm not going to ask him about how to use Facebook. You know, if I had, you know, granted, if I had access to him, I would talk to Mark. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he is the creator. So if the, for the person that's listening, if you want to know what you're called to, you want to know God's will for your life, you want to know your purpose, um, whatever terminology you want to use, that starts first with knowing um, the creator, the the purpose giver. And so if you're, if you're struggling like that, I would say start in your word, start in prayer, 
Start serving in the church because a lot of times you can find out what you like to do while doing other things. So God, he speaks through his word and we speak to us in our time of the prayer, but they also speak through circumstances. He speaks through other people. Like it was, it was confirmation to Sunday, as you said, you know, people say, oh man, you're doing a good job. All that confirmation is the, the calling and the purpose in your life. So it starts with God. Mm-hmm. That's good. I also want to add to that, that a lot of times as believers, we only think our purpose is inside of the church. I remember in undergrad, we would be praying and fasting. Lord, show me my purpose. I need to preach. I need to do this. And it's like, well, he called you to the marketplace. We are all, I remember my mom said this to me. She said, you are not at Michigan State to go to church. You are at Michigan State to get a degree. So you need to make sure you go to class and do the things you are called to do with that major. So if the Lord has called you to, you know, I did medical technology. I wanted to be a forensic scientist, which I did. Then you need to focus on that because that may be your calling. You may be called to do marketplace ministry as an accountant, as a VP or, or a teacher or whatever you're called to as a nurse, a doctor, whatever it is you're called to do. That may be where you let your light shine. And so sometimes we get so stuffed that either if I'm going to be preaching or singing or ushering, like it's bigger than our church experience. And I think that is where we have to take the lid off as well. Yeah, that is so key because you, you said it just where a lot of people, when they think of ministry and calling, they only relegate it to the church. As a pastor, as a pastor's kid, ministry goes, I say this with conviction, ministry goes well beyond the church. I agree with exactly what you said. We need we need Christians in the marketplace. We need them in Hollywood. We need them in media and sports because in order to be, be a bright light, like God calls us, we got to go to those dark places. And so my wife's a teacher. And so she is just as called in her field as I am called in my field, although I'm doing like preaching God's word, but she's having an impact on those kids. So I love that I just open up that sense of calling and purpose until the person may be a nurse or a firefighter or a lawyer. And that's what God has called you to do. Then that's your mission field. The people that you're going to interact with, that's going to be your mission field. And as you you know, stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you and guide you on how to have a conversation that will point them to Christ. So yes, got me stirred up over that. Look, I'm telling you, because so many times we get so limited and it's like, no, we have to go out because that's where you're going to meet everybody. Every time Jesus was in the synagogue, they threw him out, right? Okay. Every time he was in there, they threw him out. He did all of his miracles outside of the synagogue, but maybe oh. twice. So everything that he did, everybody he encountered, everybody's life was changed was outside of that place. So we mm-hmm. need to utilize that church. Even now we are in COVID. We are in a whole pandemic. Nobody yep. is going to church inside the building. Well, some people are going back, but now mm-hmm. we can utilize what we know to reach those who are not there. Sometimes it's just a smile. Sometimes it's just a hello. It's the way you have integrity. It's the way you file your taxes right. Like the way that we carry our lives and carry ourselves, that's the hand and feet of Jesus. Not what we always say or how we say it, but it's it's the way that your integrity lines up. Preach. Look, you got me worked up over here now. <laughs> I'm supposed to be letting you talk and I'm over here preaching away. Hey, go for it. It's a conversation. Let's go. interested in starting a podcast but feel overwhelmed because you don't know where to start? That's where Buzzsprout comes in. It's the easiest and best place to begin. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. 
Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. So follow the link in my show notes and let Buzzsprout know that I sent you and you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And it also helps to support my show. Welcome back to the show. Let's jump back into the conversation with Paul. So we have this person, we're living, you know, in purpose, we're excited, but what happens when you feel like your life has made a detour where I know the Lord told me to do this, but I got afraid and I did something else. Is it too late for me? Or how do I navigate those detours? Mm. It's, It's never too late to tell God yes. As long as you have breath in your body, it's never too late to tell God yes. So really to that person, I would say first, you know, repent, you know, and I would say from a place of judgment, from a place of grace, repent for going the wrong way and being disobedient, and then specifically walk in the purpose and the things that God has for you. And that's okay because some stuff is like trial and error. Like when I first worked, started working this church, I did a few things and they asked me to, to preach in kids' ministry. And it was the first sermon over there. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God didn't call me to that because they, you know, the kids, they was picking their nose and doing something, everything. And I don't have the patience that my wife has to be with kids. And so even if you feel like you made a wrong turn, I love this metaphor. For example, let's say, so I live in Houston, been here about five years and I'll confess, I still use my GPS. Houston is big. And so there's been times where I was like, okay, I've been here before. I don't have to listen to the GPS, miss the wrong turns. Like, how did I go? How did I add a whole extra 30 minutes or 15 minutes, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when I would, you know, submit to what the GPS is saying, it would begin to recalculate. And the way that the GPS recalculates, it doesn't say, all right, Paul, you got to go back home and start over. No, it recalculates right then and there and gives me the fastest route based on where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And that's the same way how God is gracious, how God is merciful, how God is faithful. If you feel like you made the wrong turn, Mm -hmm. repent him and turn to him. And he's not going to make you start over. He's he's just going to calculate the fastest route based on where you are right now. So repent, keep moving, tell God, yes, he's, he's gracious. Mm, I love that. I love that because it's not over. It is not over because you made a detour. I think yeah. it's important that sometimes even in those moments of being in a detour, I still yeah. saw my calling because yeah. there was somebody there that needed to rekindle their relationship with Jesus. And so it was interesting is that by the time she was really ready to be standing on her own two feet, it was time for me to leave. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, so sometimes we do make our own detours. And even in those detoured moments, God will get the glory out of that. But then it's like, okay, it's time for you to get back routed to where you're supposed to be because there's something greater ahead that you have to get done. So I think that's that's significant as well. Yep, most definitely. We're going to kind of just shift a bit. Okay. So we're living out our purpose and we have a silent season. First of all, what do you describe as a silent season? When I think of silent season, like the only one that I know specifically, or one of the ones in the Bible is like intertestamental period between the Old Testament and New Testament, where there was no prophecies, God did not speak. And it was, I can only imagine that time between, you know, at the end of Malachi, then going up into Matthew. And so that's, that's biblically one of them. But in my personal, I feel like, I feel like God is always speaking, but maybe we're not always listening. Mm. A lot of people say, 
and I don't know who coined this term first, but a lot of people say they want to hear God speak, but their Bible is closed. I'm like, hold on now. You want to hear God speak, but your Bible is closed. Mm -hmm. Instead of like seeking new words from God, God has already spoken and his word is still true. And so I feel like if a believer is, you know, is constantly in their word, they're going to always be hearing, hearing what God has to say. Or sometimes we, you know, we could be doing too much. We could be Mm -hmm. busy like Martha and we can't hear when God is trying to speak. Because sometimes, you know, God will speak through a whisper. And if we're not still enough and not quiet enough, we won't be able to hear what God is trying to say. And so the remedy for that is always in God's word. And it's sometimes slowing down so we can hear what he has to say. But then there are some seasons where you could be praying, you could be in your word, but you don't like feel like God is moving. And I would say that that is, you know, God, even when we don't see God moving, he's always behind the scenes, working all things out for our good before his glory. And so that's one thing I have to recognize, like different things I'm praying on and like, all right, God, like, I know you're listening, but I don't see nothing. What's going on? And so I just got to trust God's timing. I got to trust his will and just know that even behind the scenes, if I don't see it, feel it or hear it, he is still at work on my behalf because we serve a very intentional, faithful and sovereign God who is a master orchestrator. Like, I love the, like, the fact that he makes all things work out for our good. Mm-hmm. The things that don't feel good, sing good, look good or feel good in his divine power, he still will make it all work out for our good. And speaking of good, like to the person that's listening, you don't feel like God is speaking to you and things are bad in your life right now. I just want to encourage you with this. If what you're going through right now is not good, that simply means that God is not finished. Mm. Like I'm reminded in, in Genesis at the end of every day, except for day two, but that's a theological discussion for another day. But at the end of every single day, it gets to the end and say it's good. So in other words, if what you're going through right now, whether it's your silent season or whether you're struggling with your purpose or your calling, if what you're going through right now is not good, that simply means that God is not finished. And so we got to continue to seek after the voice of God, because I do believe like he's all he's always speaking. Sometimes it may be a whisper and we got to, you know, press in a little bit more to hear what does said the Lord. Mm, that is so good. That is so good, because I think a lot of times people want to give up when mm. Things are not going the way I want it to go or moving as fast as I wanted to move. Or, you know, I went to pray and I didn't feel nothing. I didn't have this emotional experience. I didn't cry. I didn't shout. I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't do nothing, you know, but God's not there. I'm done. Why are we ready to give up? Because you didn't get what you wanted right away. You have to wait sometimes. Sometimes it's it's very important to just sit quietly. And even the other thing that I think about when we experience silent seasons is like in college, we all know. Sometimes we go to class, sometimes we didn't. It's your responsibility to read the information, right? You're supposed to come to class, having the chapter read, you study for a few hours, and so you're prepared. So when that exam comes, that professor's not saying nothing. The professor is talking the whole time up until it's exam time. And when it's exam time, they just pass the papers out and you're on your own. Mm. And in that moment, you can ask a question, but they're barely going to answer you like, well, what does it say? What do you think it says? And right. you now have to walk out what you've learned those last few weeks for that exam. Same way with God. Sometimes he's he's quiet because you have to now walk out what he's been saying, what you've been learning, what you've been experiencing. So if you haven't taken that time to get in your word, to utilize those spiritual disciplines, to pray, to fast, to really grow in your faith, watch your sermons online or listen to their music, getting your mind right and putting your relationship with God first. When a struggle comes, you're going to only regurgitate what you know. Come on. So 
now you're depressed. Now you listen to stuff that's got you down and out. Now you want to drink. Now you want to smoke because that's what you've been putting in. And that's all you know. And you can't get mad because God's not there. When when I was, I was standing right there, but you didn't want my help when I could offer it to you. But now yeah. it's the time for you to figure it out. And you're going to take an L and then we're going to go right back and start all over again from that point. And okay, now let's try it again. Now you get to retake the test. Are you going to pass it this time? See, sis, like, I don't, I, only thing I, I would ask, like, all that was so excellent. Like, whenever you feel like God is silent, do the last thing that he t- told you to do. And so once you walk into obedience, you begin to hear him even more clearly. So if you feel like God is silent, you're like, man, what's the last thing God told me to do? Maybe if you walk into obedience, you begin to hear his voice even, even more loudly. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That is so true. Because we always got that to-do list. We all got a to-do list. And it's like, okay. did you do that? Nope. Lord, I'm trying to do the next thing. I didn't ask you to do that. As, as, as I say like this, like our parents, our parents, because I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Growing up, they would be like, take the garbage out, wash the dishes, clean the house, take the meat out, right? And we still talking to them and they're saying, well, did you do the last thing I told you to do? No, but I want to do this. They're like, I don't want to hear nothing you have to say. And I don't want to engage with you until you do what I told you to do. And then we can have a conversation. So once you do that last thing, yes, now we can talk about everything you want to talk about because you were obedient to what I asked you to do. We cannot think that we're going to have it our own way and God is our genie. Okay. Now, I'm disagreeing with you. A lot of people look at God as this cosmic vending machine. And it's not about that. We can't just press in the code and get exactly what we want. I mean, that goes a misconception of prayer. Prayer is not about getting God to do our will. It's about him aligning our wills with his will and our desires with his desires. I don't go to prayer to get God to do what I want. I go to prayer to see what he want me to do. That's, it's, it's an order there. So, yes, we, he, he is in the vending machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a question because one of my uh, <laughs> clients asked me this question. She said, I know the Lord told me to do this major or this job, but I hate it. What am I going to do? Man, that is a good one. Like, but God told her to do this major, but she hates it. Because in my thinking, and you know, I always grow my thinking, I know that, you know, as Bible says, we know in part, you know, we won't know everything until we're in heaven, but. I always associated God's calling with something that would be close to our passion. Cause I feel like pastoring, there's some parts like, oh my goodness. But then the vast majority, 99%, I love it. I enjoy it with podcasting, with pastoring. So, oh, you know, first time I got stumped in a while. <laughs> I guess the only thing I would say is you can't go wrong obeying God. Um, God called Moses to be prophet, but the man, stutter so i'm pretty sure he didn't like talking but once he began to operate in it um the lord used him in a mighty way and so maybe you know we need to allow god's will and allow obedience to supersede our present feelings our present emotions then trust god with the results because i mean god is a he's a good god mm-hmm. he's a faithful god so it's a matter of just being obedient even when we don't feel like it or like it so that's an excellent question that's deep yeah i was like okay <laughs> Like, wait, because I was thinking like, I never hated what I did. Like I knew usually your calling is what you, what you love to do. Right. Like, you what, don't mind yeah. doing. And so I asked her, I said, so what is it about what you're doing that you hate? And so she starts telling me what's going on boils down to that. She saw the same call represented in the bat in a wrong way. 
And so she was afraid that she would be stuck in the same cycle. And so I was like, okay, so let's unpack that because I think the motive behind why you don't like it has nothing to do with what you really, this she's like, no, I really, I hate it, but I like it. I'm like, okay. So it's not the thing that you're called to, it's the experience that you had prior. Come on, break it down. (laughs) So I was like, let's talk about this experience because then you have to understand boundaries. What you saw growing up is not the same thing as to what you're going to be doing because you are in a different space than what you saw. So you get to make different choices. So it was really interesting. Like, let's unpack the fear that you have surrounding this call, you know, that you feel like you don't want to do because it's it's not going to have the outcome that you want. But then I said, well, what else do you want to do? I don't know. So wait, you can't not like something, but then not have an alternative plan. Like, let's really sit with it for a minute and see, okay, maybe am I talking myself out of it because, you know, because of that one issue or because I'm afraid to see what would happen if I actually did it. I just tell people, we throw God under the bus Mm -hmm. for everything that we choose to do instead of owning that. You know what? I chose this for myself and I don't like it and I don't know how to get out of it because I'm in too deep. Mm. That's real. But sometimes instead of throwing God on the bus, we throw the devil on the bus. And a lot of times we're, it's not about God or the devil in some, in some cases. Um, though there's, you know, spiritual warfare, but a lot of it's, you know, God has given us free will and we got to live with the consequences of our choices and our actions and inactions. So can't blame everything on the exterior forces. You got to make, make good choices. So you talk about in your podcast, how we have to have this holistic life. So in making mm-hmm. better choices, what would be some things like you said, spiritually, we kind of talked about that, but like financially, what would be some good choices that we can make if we find ourselves in a tough season? I love that because recently um, in March, one of the episodes we did was called Secure the Bag. It was the first time finally getting to that, that fifth pillar of talking about finances. And I believe it starts with honoring God. Once again, obedience. We're like God honors obedience. So paying, you know, tithes and offerings and maybe listen tithes, the, the 10% that belongs to God and we give an offering. So tithing is not the ceiling to stop our giving, but the floor to be up from. So I honor God on my tithes, even though we've been in the pandemic. Me and my wife, we kept paying our tithes. We kept paying our offerings. And we have seen God. We have seen God faithful. Um, And then one step that really got us in the right direction outside of that was getting a budget and just Mm -hmm. seeing, okay, how much do we have coming in and how much is going out with those fixed bills and those variable expenses? Because doing that, I think Dave Ramsey said it best, like a budget tells your money where to go. Instead of us getting to the end of the month, like where did all our money go? And so when we sat down, we did the budget, we had tithes, offering, our expenses, our income, et cetera. It's like, man, with this left over, like we need to be more intentional with this. So it starts with um, honoring God, um, setting a budget, then within your budget, save. I mean, I don't like to expect the worst, but we live in a fallen world. So rainy days are going to occur. Mm-hmm. And so we put money aside um, every single paycheck for our future home. Um, also just for rainy days because uh, we don't have kids, but it's speaking generally, kids get sick, spouses get sick, cars break down, mm-hmm. life happens. And so we got to save for those rainy days. And the biggest thing to save for is retirement. And so we, we're delving in, into that because with her being a teacher and I've been a pastor instead of the 401ks, we have like four or three Bs. And so mm-hmm. we've been more intentional with the budget of giving towards our retirement um, and exercising wisdom and credit cards, um, having a good credit score. Now, although everybody, you know, don't have a couple hundred thousand sitting aside where they can go buy a house, most people got to take out a loan. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to, to those that's listening, get your, your credit right, because a lot of times it's like a poverty tax. 
where when you have a low credit score, you get charged with more interest, which don't make sense. Like you don't have the money to begin with. So how, why you got a higher interest rate? So right. crazy system. So getting your credit right, budgeting, saving, saving for retirement, um, and just making wise choices. And the other thing I'll add to that, I like to negotiate. So from time to time, I would call um, AT&T, who we have our cable cable with. And it was one time, it was after our two-year period was up. And the prices spiked up. It was mm-hmm. like we didn't have the the promotion anymore. And I asked mm-hmm. them Can I have the promotion, mm-hmm. and they did. So sometimes we have not because we asked not. So I believe in asking. Hey, is that the best deal that you can give me? Are there any other discounts I'm not aware of? Um, because a closed mouth don't get fed. So I don't have no problem with asking. Rejected to Accept It is an empowering guide to wholeheartedness. This book explores the personal triumphs and struggles I face while embarking on my self-discovery journey. After experiencing fatherlessness, domestic violence, and a series of failed and unhealthy relationships, more than a memoir, Rejected to Accept It empowers the reader to overcome the crippling effects of rejection and domestic violence. You learn how to love yourself and others the way God intended and create healthy patterns for future relationships. This book provides hope and inspiration. Maybe you have personal experiences that left you heartbroken or questioning your worth. Rejected to Accept It will encourage you to allow Jesus to repair the shattered pieces of your heart with the glue of his love. Rejected to Accept It is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com in both paperback and ebook formats. That's really good. A lot of times the financial perspective or the financial aspects of our lives is the one we don't want to talk about, but the one we use the most. And having, you know, a really good credit score is really important because we do at some point have to get out of that poverty mindset. When you do experience a a more fuller life, we start seeing God in a different way. And Mm -hmm. so instead of it being, you know, beg, borrow, and steal, Lord, please, please, please make a way. Please, please, please make a way. Now my faith is not based on my need. My faith is based on just because I love him. Come on. Yeah. And I feel like that. And I say this with grace comes from a misunderstanding of the fullness of God. God is more than just a provider. He -hmm. is a protector. He's our savior. He's our father. He's our friend. So maybe you may have your physical needs met, but what about your spiritual needs? God can give you something that money can't give you. Mm-hmm. Um, the peace is all understanding. Um, the unspeakable joy of the Lord that even when I can't figure things out, I can still have a peace and still have a joy and a blessed assurance because of my intimacy with the Lord. So yeah, God, uh, we, we can't relegate Father God to being a sugar dad. He is so much more than that. Exactly. I think that's why it's important to build our faith and really develop a relationship with God because as you develop that relationship, we see him outside of that one thing. He's like, he said to, to Moses in Exodus, he said, I am that I am, meaning I can be everything that you may need. So no, you may not need me financially, but you need me as a father. No, you may not need me you know, as a father, but you need me as a friend, as a companion, as comfort, as peace, as love, as whatever you may need. So it's like outside of our finances. So we have to see him outside of that one aspect. So I think that's why we push relationship over you know, God of Sunday, where I just, he's just here to meet all my needs. I think if we go a little deeper than that, then we can really see him for who he really is and not just one-sided. Come on. We, we can't 
be shallow Christians. I mean, there's, like I say, there's so much more than just God being the provider, father, friend. He's, you, you say the best. So I'm glad to it. But that's one thing that I say in, from sermon to sermon. He's the I am that I am. In other words, whatever you need him to be, he could be there and so much more. You got me excited about the Lord over here. Look, <laughs> I'm telling you, when I get with a preacher, I like to go to town. <laughs> I like to go to town. So tell us about your ministry and like, what is the highlights of working with the young adult? How have you grown working with them since you've been doing it for so long? I think I was forced to be and also act for this, just a Lord to him to be creative and innovative in the ministry and not do things just because the church has always done it that way. So my prayer has been creativity. My prayer has been um, innovational. Give me fresh ideas and not just to think outside the box. But when the pandemic hit, my prayer was like, Lord, I need a new ministry box. I need you to give me something new and something fresh. And so that's one of the things that I like that they're open to all the fresh ideas. Um, since the pandemic started and I started my podcast, I started, I started using social media more. Um, not just an occasional picture when I travel or a self, a see with my wife, but to do ministry. So whether it's posting a scripture or posting my prayer or doing like a mini 30 second devotional, just really doing that. And that age group is more adept to social media. And they've been very um, supportive of that. Then also like so much happened in the decade of the 20s. Like that's when you're finishing up college for, you know, typically speaking, you're finishing up college, uh, married, beginning to have kids, beginning to get a family, um, adulting. And so I love the the um, creativity I get to do with them. So we we always do expositional. So we go scripture, uh, we go verse by verse, go through a book, but then fun topic series, whether it's relationships or talking about adulting one-on-one, um, how to handle your, your mental, we talk about mental health a lot, how to thrive in your finances. And we talk a lot about purpose, calling, identity, and comparison. So I really love ministering to the age group and beyond. I'm open to whatever God has for me. So with the pandemic, and you kind of talked about it already, how did you pivot with ministry going online? And then how did you pivot with your family to navigate through being in quarantine and, and being where we are now? Listen, I'll go, I'll go family first. Me and my wife, we had a lot of extended time together and we we enjoyed it. Like in our apartment, I would be in a living room working on a Zoom call. She'd be at the kitchen table working on a Zoom call. I did kind of like tighten up our finances a lot. And I was just like, I just never know what's going to happen. And so I uh, started being even extra frugal and paying attention to our money and, you know, make sure the lights are cut off in every room. I just really started paying attention to the money because, you know, people's getting laid off and still are laid off. So that's family. Then we also did different, you know, date nights while we was inside. We would build like a pillow fort and have movie nights. And it's kind of just to change our relationship for the better. We had that extra time. But professionally is where I needed it the most because I was lost that first week because we, in in Houston, when the pandemic hit back in March of 2020, when they canceled the rodeo, I knew it was big because first mm-hmm. of all, Texans, a lot of state pride. Sometimes we think we can be our own country. Mm-hmm. So for us to shut down something like this, like, okay, it must be big. And so the first week, I didn't know what to do. So I did like, I delved into Facebook Live, never really did that. And so I became an instant learner. I like to say I went to Google University, YouTube University. Mm-hmm. I started utilizing Facebook more, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Instagram Stories. And similar to what I said earlier, but now using social media as a place to do to do ministry um, on my personal account, then also on the college ministry account that I oversee, instead of just it being reminders about the next thing, but I'm going to post a scripture. 
you're going to get different leaders to go on there on a weekly basis and do either written or video devotionals. And then it was in the pandemic that the podcast was born. Because I remember one Thursday night, we was having a young adult Bible study. And I know people started, it was the beginning of like a Zoom fatigue. It was like around May, late April, early May. The cameras were off. And I was like, okay, Lord, what's another way that I can minister to your people without the burden of them having to turn their camera on, the burden of them, you know, answering my interactive questions and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's how the podcast was born. I'm so glad I, I walked in obedience because kind of tying it all together, like walking in purpose and asking God's call in your life produces a peace and a joy that can't nothing else. Like when I'm delivering a sermon, um, when I'm doing a podcast or spending time mm-hmm. with my wife, the three things that God has called me to do, not in that particular in that particular order, but I am so fulfilled. And so there may be people listening like, I want to be fulfilled and um or it starts with answering God's call in your life it starts with telling him telling him yes so yeah I had to do a big pivot we started doing zoom bible studies and started playing kahoot on there and utilizing the breakout sessions function where mm-hmm. I would do large groups for like 15 minutes then to send them to small groups and so that was a that was a curveball I had to learn a lot Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely through everybody for a loop, through me for a loop as well. I actually moved back home in a pandemic, in the pandemic. Uh-huh. So I moved from Oregon to Michigan in late July. Everything just changed in my life and just focusing more on doing what he called me to do. So what have you learned about yourself, you know, for the last year that you didn't know had you not been in the pandemic? I learned that I am very creative and I had to tap into the creativity. And sometimes I would think that term creative is for the person that can act or sing or write or draw, but there's creativity in everything. And we can tap into the creativity because we've been created by an all-time creative um, creator God. And so because my father is a creator, I am creative. And God uses creativity in, in different in different purposes. Like you can be you can exercise creativity as a spouse, um, as a parent, um, as a teacher and in the ministry. And I saw the most exercising creativity in podcasts, like coming up with different, you can relate to this different topics and different episodes and how to to weave in different questions and bring in different people, whether it's a one-on-one interview or it's like a, bringing on three people and doing a panel. So I've been doing a lot of creativity in, in that way, then social media and with reels and with TikTok. Like I didn't know all of that was in me until I just, all right, God, I feel like God called me, so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to learn it. It's uncomfortable. But then I'm getting the feedback that it's ministering to people. So all right, God. So I learned that I was a lot more creative than what I originally thought I was. And I attributed all that glory goes to God. That is so good. And I, I think the Lord used this pandemic to stretch everybody, to pull yeah. us out of our comfort zone, to really tap into those unknown places in us and then build yeah. our confidence to really move forward in a whole new way. I yeah. know for me, the quote for the year is to be brave to be bold and to believe in yourself. Like that is everything that I have to do this year is to be brave, to be bold and to believe in myself, to take those extra steps because you did that during this pandemic, not knowing what was going to happen. And you had to lean into these other aspects of yourself. So take that same mindset. Now that as as things are to ease up, take that same mindset where we don't want to go back to what we knew, but now we have to transition into what we don't know. With that being said, because I feel like I've been talking a long time, this has been an amazing interview. I'm so happy that you came. You are actually the first man on my podcast. What? You are the first man. <laughs> for all the males out there. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoy um, conversing with you and just hearing what the Lord is doing 
um, in, in your life. So it's been mutually beneficial. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. So how can we follow you on um, online? Yeah, um, two ways. You can connect me with my podcast. It's called Real People, Real Talk. But we take the listeners from surviving to thriving. And wherever you're listening uh, right now, that's where you can find uh, Real People, Real Talk. And secondly, it's Instagram. Like I said earlier, it's just another way that I do ministry. It's at Paul W. Calcode. And pretty sure Lissandra put that in the show notes because uh, with, with that type of name, we just mm-hmm. took it instead of working spelling it. So those are two ways where you can connect with me. So thanks for that. Awesome. We have had a great show. Make sure you check him out on Instagram and check him out in my show notes. Check out his podcast. If you really enjoyed this conversation, I know you're going to enjoy his podcast. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Royal One Podcast. I look forward to providing you more encouraging content that empowers you to discover your purpose, embrace your identity, and engage faith tenaciously. If you have questions that you would like answered on the show about purpose, faith, relationships, or anything in general, email me at info at You want to book a one-on-one coaching session with me? You can. Just click the link in my show notes to book that session. Make sure you go and follow Paul Calcote on Instagram at Paul W. Calcote, C-A-L-C-O-T-E. Check out his podcast, Real People, Real Talk. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Miss Royalty 143 on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. Lissandra Barnes on Facebook. Remember, you can purchase a copy of my book, Rejected to Accepted Online. Click the link in my show notes to do that. And last but not least, you've been listening to the Royal One Podcast, where I empower women the royal way. Have a great day.